Sabbath School Lesson 2, April 4 to 10, The Origin and Nature of the Bible. Hi, my name is Jonathan Peterson. I'm the Sabbath School Superintendent at Coffs Harbour Seventh-day Adventist Church and um, happy to be sharing some thoughts on this week's Sabbath School Lesson with you. Let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we seek your guidance as we study your word and we ask that you will help us to understand it better and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe the Bible is the most amazing book ever written. In fact, I was listening to Anival Meyer's sermon recently, and I'm not sure if you heard any of his sermons, but he has a gift of explaining the Bible and particularly how stories in the Old Testament relate to the life of Jesus and how things in the Old and the New Testament parallel each other in such a magnificent a beautiful and miraculous way. And when you allow yourself to to listen to these kinds of ideas and thoughts, you come to the conclusion that the Bible could only have been written by God. Now, in contrast to that, I was also listening to uh, an audio of the book of Numbers the other day. I like listening to the Bible in audio. And I was wondering as I was listening to genealogies, um, and then also in Leviticus, I was listening to all the details about sacrifices to be given. And I was wondering, how do I apply this to my life? What does God want me to get out of this? What's the benefit of this for me uh, living day to day? So whilst we may see magnificence and beauty in the Bible, sometimes we wonder why God wanted to write so much detail about certain things. Anyway, that's just some food for thought. First question I want you to think about is this. Why did God want to communicate to us through a book, through the written word? What are the benefits of writing things down in a book? Well, I'm not going to give you the answer to that. I want you to think about that. So let's go to the next question. When was the Bible completed? When was the last book written? The last book was written around about you know, 90 or 100 AD, the book of Revelation written by John. Now, if we follow the biblical timeline, that's actually about 4,000 years after creation. Why did God wait so long to complete his book? Have you ever thought of that? God's revelation was gradual. A lot of Christians these days don't really think about how the Bible came to be, and they just think it's always been there. They don't think that for most of history, people did not have the complete Bible as we have it because it has been a progressive revelation over time. In fact, for more than one third of human history, that's more than 2,000 years, about two and a half thousand years, there was no written word because if Moses wrote the first five books, then Moses lived around about 1500 BC. And so if we take the Earth's, chronology, the Earth's age as being around about 6,000 years old, then for a good part of human history, there was no Bible or written word as we know it. So we take it for granted, but we are in a privileged position to have God's word with us. So um, it might be worth just having a think about, you know, about how other holy books came into, came into existence and compare that with the Bible and... Um, compare their claims to some of the Bible claims. Now, there are other books which claim to have been divinely inspired. 
An example is the Muslim holy book, the Quran. Now, what's the difference? Well, the difference is the Quran was revealed to one man in a cave over a period of 23 years by the angel Gabriel. So what does that have in common with the Bible? Well, you might say there was an angel involved and perhaps in, in some of the books of the Bible we could say maybe an angel was involved, but generally no. In Revelation there was an angel, or there was Christ that appeared, and sometimes an angel. But generally speaking, there's, um, there's a vast difference between how the Quran was recorded and how the Bible was recorded. The Bible was recorded over a period of 1,500 years, and there were about 40 authors. The Quran had one author. Let's have a look at another example, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon was, like the Quran, revealed to one man over a period of uh, a few years. Now, both of these books also differ significantly to the Bible in this. Both of these books claim to be word for word what was revealed by God. In the case of the Quran, um, the angel spoke word for word and uh, Muhammad was told to, to write it down. Uh, well, actually not to, re to recite it. So, so the, the, the words that Muslims believe that those very words are in the Bible are the actual exact words of Allah, of God. Same with the Book of Mormon, the, um, the scriptures were written on golden plates. And so it was a translation. Uh, Joseph Smith was given the job of translating those golden plates into English. So what about the Bible? Well, let's go to Monday's lesson, and this will help us to understand it. Monday's lesson is called The Process of Inspiration. How, how was the Bible inspired? And it's just worth considering those other two uh, books which claim to be scripture. So we can um, compare and contrast. Well, let's start with uh, the verse uh, 2 Peter 1, verses 19 to 20. 2 Peter 1, 19 to 20. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So firstly, the first distinction uh, in contrast to the other books that I've mentioned is that the Bible was written by a number of different authors. Now to me, this gives it greater authenticity because there's less chance that someone, just one person is fooling you if it's written by a number of people. Secondly, that word moved. Holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit. What this implies is that, uh, in contrast to the Quran, the Bible is not a, uh, a book that has been dictated. It's not about dictation, but about inspiration. And so what we find is, as a result of that, God gave the authors... Each author, each individual author, the freedom to write in their own style of writing. And so we find distinct styles of writing when we look at different books in the Bible. In this sense, uh, in this way, the Bible 
is a combination of the human and the divine. Now, the Muslims find this highly offensive because they believe that a, a book of scripture should only be divine. There should be no human element in it. And that's why but they believe in the process of dictation where every word is God's word and there is not one human word in there. So it's very different. The Bible uh, is very different. Now let's have a look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness and so on. So here the process is called inspiration. In 2 Peter, the process was moved by the Holy Spirit. So these are synonymous, moved by the Holy Spirit and inspired by God. Once again, indicating that it is, this is not an exercise in dictation, but an exercise in inspiration. In Amos 3 verse 7, we read, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So here we find in Amos, once again, God reveals his secrets to multiple people, to his servants. This process of revelation, once again, is not uh, an exercise in simply uh, a human hearing words spoken by God and writing them down word for word, as uh, a young student would do at school when the teacher recite something and they're told to dictate. That's not how it happened. Okay, let's move on to Tuesday's lesson, the written word of God. Okay, so the focus on Tuesday is the fact that the word of God is written, written. I want you to think about this. Do you take writing for granted? Do you take writing for granted? Um, we see in uh, a number of instances in the, in the Bible, like, for example, with Moses and Joshua, God says, write these words down. In Revelation, John is told to write what you see. So God deliberately decided that he wanted to reveal himself to humanity in a written form. Now, when I say we take this for granted, it's because a lot of people don't realize that in many civilizations, in history, there was no form of writing. There was spoken language, but there was not written language. Now, I remember seeing a film that was set in, um, in very early times in America's colonial history. And the, the tribe that the, uh, the British were interacting with had no written language. And they were curious when they saw the British, you know, writing things down. And they had no idea what they, what was going on because they didn't have a concept of written language. So one British man trying to, um, I suppose, trying to show what what he was doing, asked one of the natives, um, native Indians, tell me tell me something that no one else would know. So he told him told him something that he you know he hadn't told anyone else. And so the Englishman wrote it down. Okay. Then he invited his English friend, come over here. Didn't say a word to him. Just showed him what was written. And then the, uh, the English companion looked at the uh, American Indian and 
told him, well, kind of asked him to confirm, is that really true? Did you, whatever the secret was, I can't remember what it was. And the man who knew he hadn't told anyone except uh, the Englishman who had written it down was absolutely shocked. To him, it was like magic that somehow his words had transferred onto that piece of paper and then into the mind of another man. So it's actually quite miraculous, uh, the written word, and um, we do take it for granted. So what is the benefit of having the scriptures in written form? Well, of course, it's always accessible. The other, another benefit is it doesn't change like um, legends and stories passed by word of mouth. They can change so very easily in a very short period of time. Another benefit that I can think of is that this knowledge can be passed from one generation to the next. And of course, our society is just based so much now on written text that sometimes I think we take it for granted and we don't realize how important it is that God chose to record uh, human history from his perspective and to record his laws, his thoughts, his interactions with humanity in a written form for us. It is an amazing blessing. Um, and in the time that we live, we are the most fortunate generation in history when it comes to accessibility to the scriptures. Everyone can have their own copy of the Bible, whereas in the past... It was very difficult to get your own copy of the Bible because it had to be handwritten. Not only that, but we can have digital copies of the Bible and they, many of them are free. And of course, even to buy a print version, you can get one, get them very, very cheaply. So, um, uh, and also on, on, um, on your phone or device or whatever, you can get multiple translations. You can get an audio Bible as well. Um, so we just have... The, the easiest access of any generation in history to God's written word. And so we need to be thankful for that. We need to be grateful. And we actually need to take advantage of it. Let's go to Wednesday's lesson. The parallels between Christ and the scriptures. Okay. So the most obvious verse here is John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details in uh, Wednesday's lesson, but there are many, many good comparisons there in Wednesday's lesson, which I recommend you have a look at and consider and, and um, ponder. Uh, but I just want to add one extra thing. Jesus came to earth, you know, around about, well, they say zero, but it's probably um, 3 BC, uh, completed his ministry in around about 30, 31 AD, and the final book of the Bible was written around about 90 AD. So Christ and the Bible, Christ and the completion of the Bible, the coming of Christ and the completion of the Bible was in the same century. Now, out of the 60 centuries, uh, approximately, that humanity have lived for, it's quite interesting that I find there's only one century where um, in that same century you have Christ coming and you have the final book of, of the Holy Scriptures written in that very same century. Very interesting. Now, uh, probably the most obvious comparison between Christ and the Scriptures is this. As mentioned, the Scriptures are a union of the human and the divine, just as Christ is a union of the human 
and divine. Why did God choose to do this? Why didn't God choose the dictation method like the Quran? Well, I think that the way God has chosen to do it makes the Bible much more relatable to us. The fact that people had some input into it. People invested their personality into into the scriptures. Just as Jesus, when he came to the earth, made God more relatable. Jesus became our brother, became one of us, and helped us to connect, to understand, to relate to God in a deeper in a deeper way because he was us he was like us he became one of us and so when by by God allowing the written word to be that that mysterious and magnificent combination of the human and divine we find that much more relatable let's go on to thursday understanding the bible in faith okay i've got faith in the bible and i'm assuming a lot of the people listening to this also have faith in the bible so i want to ask you this question Why do you have faith in the Bible? Is it a blind faith? Or is it a faith based on very good evidence? I can tell you that over the years, the, um, the amount of evidence that I've had presented to me of the divine inspiration of the Bible is so overwhelming that it takes very little faith for me to believe that God is the author of the Bible. Now, perhaps in my younger days as a Christian, I would have to step out more in faith, trusting that this is God's word. But there's always going to be some element of faith, but really there is just so much evidence. The more you explore the Bible, there's so much evidence that this can only be divinely inspired, that faith, faith turns into conviction. However, there are many people who do not have faith in the divine inspiration of the Bible. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when you come to the scriptures, um, you do need to have faith that is God's word. Otherwise, you probably end up, well, you could end up like many skeptics, who, you know, there's, there's many skeptics in, in seminaries, in colleges, who study the Bible well, and probably, you know, they may know it better than you and I do because they study it deeply and intensely, they don't believe that God wrote it. And no matter, no matter how much they read it, no matter how much they study it, because they come to it with a skeptical perspective, they cannot see the divine fingerprint that you and I can see in the Bible. What seems so clear and obvious to us is not evident to them. They're blinded by their skepticism. And they refuse to entertain the notion of faith. If you don't want to believe, you don't have to. It was the same with Jesus. You know, how many miracles did he perform in front of people? And yet many of those people who witnessed the miracles still refused to believe because they didn't want to believe. So God does still leave us that choice in spite of the abundant evidence that the scriptures are divinely inspired He won't force anyone to believe or to have faith in them. But when we do come to the scriptures in faith, God opens up our eyes to amazing things, to an understanding of him and his will and the great controversy and just many beautiful and wonderful things. 
Let's have a look at the verse 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So here Paul is commending the Thessalonian church because they welcomed the word of God, sorry, they welcomed the scriptures as the word of God. They had faith that this was God's word and they were blessed by it and they found that the word of God was able to work in their lives in a powerful and effective way because they accepted it by faith. If we do accept the word of God by faith, what's the result? Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible can pierce our soul. The Bible can convict us of our inner motives, our thoughts, our intents, those things that we want to hide from the world, the darkest places of our minds and our hearts. God's word can penetrate into those places, into the darkness, and bring illumination, bring repentance, and bring a change of heart, bring transformation. This is the power that you'll only find in God's word as his spirit speaks to us through that word. And finally, let's go to Friday. If we want to get the benefit from reading God's word, we need the guidance of his Holy Spirit. It is his word and it's only his spirit that can give us the correct understanding of his word. I also want to add my recommendation to this. This is from my experience and what's worked for me. And that is read the word slowly. Don't read it like you're reading the newspaper or the internet or a novel or something like that. Slow down. There is so much wealth, a great richness in the, in the words of scripture that if we read too quickly, it's too difficult to digest. It's rich food. Try to eat it slowly. And then what we need to do is pause, go back, read it again, pray Read it again. Ponder, meditate, consider what God is saying in each sentence. This is how I believe we can get the most out of the scriptures. Allow the Holy Spirit some time to work on our hearts and our minds and to reveal things to us rather than rushing through because I made a commitment to read three chapters a day and I just need to rush through and get it done. Well, there's no benefit to that if it's just a routine and you're not allowing the Spirit to speak to your heart and your mind and illuminate the, um, the things of God which are present in His Word. Okay, my final thoughts, final questions, final thoughts. Why does God, why does God reveal Himself and His will to us? What's His plan? What's His purpose for doing this? God is love. And so whatever he does is done from the motive of love. God has given us his written word because he wants to restore the relationship that he had with humanity. 
when he created mankind. Out of love, he's doing his best to restore and to reconcile us back to him. Not only that, but God wants the best for us. And he knows that by following his guidance, following his laws, following his direction, we will have the best life. But ultimately, the Bible really is the story of God's interactions with mankind from creation, the fall, and then the rest from, from, from the fall until the end of the book is the history of God working through man, working on the earth to restore man back to that condition that he was in the Garden of Eden, in perfect harmony with God, longing to do the will of God, in a loving relationship with God, not in defiance and rebellion towards God. And so we find the story of the Bible starts in a garden. And in that garden, mankind was lost. Mankind fell because of sin. And then we find in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ gained the victory over our enemy, Satan. And then in the in the book of Revelation at the end, we're told that we'll be restored to that garden, that perfect garden when God creates a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the story of the Bible. God wanted us to know that, and so he recorded it for us so we didn't have to wonder, we didn't have to speculate, we didn't have to be in doubt. We know what God's plan is. We know what went wrong. We know what he's done to fix the problem. And we know what we need to do to get back into relationship with him and to have that eternal life in harmony with him. So really the Bible is God's plan to bring us back to him. And aren't we just so blessed that he chose to write it down for us to make it so clear for us. Let's never take that for granted. Let's always be grateful for the written word. Let's read it regularly, read it slowly, read it thoughtfully, and allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to us every time we read his beautiful written word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. In it, there is so much wisdom, guidance, incredible history amazing stories, and in it we see your fingerprint so clearly. Help us, Lord, to have a deeper appreciation for your word, a deeper commitment to reading it, and a stronger desire to understand your will better as we continue to read your word day by day. In Jesus' name, amen.